We've been working through a series about turning everyday, ordinary meals into sacred moments, and we've talked about making room. If you're going to have a meal, you're going to have this great experience together, you've got to make a room where that can happen. We've talked about seating arrangements, you know, don't go sit in the seat of honor, like, you know, sit, sit in the back. We, we've talked about the invitations, and, and some people that just always have excuses and, and just won't come to the banquet feast, and, and, and offering and opening that invite up to whoever might show up. And we've, we've talked about the opportunity to have feast or famine, that God always offers the bountiful table, and yet sometimes we're reluctant, sometimes we run the opposite direction of what is it to choose the great divine meal that God offers us. And so today we're, we're talking about something that maybe feels like more work. I mean, if you're talking about the prodigal son, like, oh, this is just a beautiful story. I want to be the prodigal running home, and I want the feast and the celebration. And today we're like, well, who's doing the dishes today? All right, who's doing the work? Who's making things happen? Who's going to make it possible to have this great feast? Who's, who's doing the dishes? And I was thinking about uh, my first job. Like, I, I turned 14, and like that week I started my first job at a fast food restaurant at uh, Chick-fil-A in Texas. And, and one of the interesting little things that always sits with me for my time there was we had this assistant manager who would decide to make a quiz up and how you scored on this final quiz depended on what tasks you were going to get at the end of the night. And so everybody always wanted to avoid doing the dishes. It's all the hot water. It's all, you know, it's, it's, it's your hands are dirty. You're, you're getting into stuff. And so there's that, or there's like clean the playground, or, you know, there's all sorts of random tasks. Uh, and so every time he'd do this, like, history quiz, he'd, like, he'd just ask you some historical fact or something about science or whatever it was. Uh, and, and I was fortunate enough, I never uh, had to do dishes. I, I, I enjoyed this procedure of this quiz because, it, I mean, I got, I got to get out of it. Um, but I think it stuck with me of like, I think we all have our own tasks that we want to get out of. It's like, man, I, help me not have to take on that task, that responsibility. And I know some people who, who grew up in churches and who are afraid to go back to churches when they've been away because they're like, they'll hear all of my gifts and my skills. They'll hear that I've taught Sunday school. They'll, they'll hear that I have these things, and, and they're going to ask me to do a bunch of stuff. And this fear of, of being involved, of being a part of things, is so much that ah, I, I don't want to be there, because I don't want to do the dishes. And so I, I think it's fascinating getting into this topic of what are we called to do, uh, what does service look like. And we're going to get into this today by kind of talking about Three different texts. Uh, we're going to jump around a little bit. And I think part of it is sometimes texts feel like they make sense on their own. And then you read another text that's like, wait, how do I make sense of this text and that text together? And so we're going to wrestle with a few things today. So let's first jump into Luke chapter 10. Uh, and I'm going to be in verse 38 to 42. We're going to see Jesus go into a meal visiting Martha and Mary. Hear the reading of this text. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks. So she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the work by myself? Tell her then to help me. 
But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing, and Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. All right, so our first text, Mary and Martha. Now, I, I don't think we get the, the like, feeling of this text because like, uh, you know, you, if you've grown up in church your whole life, if you were told Jesus is coming over to your house today and going to have a meal with you, who feels like they've got a chore list before he shows up? Who wants to clean a little more? Who wants to go to the store to get the best food available to restock your kitchen? Like, oh man, that condiment's been in my fridge for way too long. Let's get the best of the best. Right? I mean, you'd be a little panicked because you're like, I'm so excited about this person, but but I gotta I gotta get ready. And so we've got Martha getting ready, but she's a little frustrated because Mary doesn't seem to have that same level of anxiety about the place needs to be just right, the food needs to be just right. And maybe you've, ever, you've experienced that in your families, in your workplaces, wherever it is, of people have different expectation levels. People have different kind of like, this is what it means for this to be a good day. This is what it means for it to be a good meal. And Martha's like, there is so much to do. Where are you? And so we get Jesus saying this thing at the end of the story, and we'll just wrestle with the tension for a little while, of, I'm not going to tell Mary what to do. She picked the better thing. You could have been making all the food. You could have been getting stuff ready, but, but she sat at my feet. She was here, and I'm not going to take that from her. And so this text gets used in a lot of ways around, like, well, don't miss it. Don't be in all the busy work, right? And the, the moment's right there. Jesus is in your house. Just spend time with Jesus. Why do all the chores? Why do all the other things? Like, just be there with Jesus. And we're going to come back to this text. But I just want you to sit with that wrestling of, like, Jesus saying, I'm not getting on to Mary. She, she, she picked the better option here. All right, let's fast forward in the gospel. Luke 22. Uh, this is going to pick us up right in the middle of Jesus' last supper in the gospel of Luke. So he's... he's done the bread and the cup, they've had this moment, and then we get some interesting table conversation, and we're going to pick up in verse 24 of Luke chapter 22. You're at dinner, you've had this last supper, Uh, we think about all this reverential stuff of like, oh, the way we read text and stuff of like, wouldn't it have just been so holy to be there? They're there on the last supper, and what are the disciples talking about? a dispute arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. They're very much like we are. We are creatures of comparison. We know it's not going to work out for us. We shouldn't do it. But they're having this dispute. Uh, uh, who's, who's really the best here at the table? And that's just something we experience. And it's never pleasant. I don't know why we keep doing it. But like in the academic world, man, it's so filled. Like you, you walk around, you've got a room, like a university full of professors who were the top of the, the class. And now they're in another environment of like, well, who's the top of our class? Like who's really the best? Who's the smartest? Who gets the best research funding? Uh, but it's not just in academics. It's in business places of, you know, you business meet and greets and who's the best entrepreneur? Who's the best marketer? Who's the best salesperson? Even into to ministry, you, you fall into this thing of pastors getting together and it's like, well, who has the largest congregation? Who has the biggest budget and funds? It's just, no matter where you are in life, it's easy to fall into this comparison game 
and you're wondering, which of us is really the best person here? And so they're disputing that, and Jesus says to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, the greatest among you must become like the youngest, and the leader like one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. So we have the story of Jesus being like, yeah, we know in culture that the person with more honor is the one sitting at the table. Like, if you've got servants, you've got people getting the food and stuff, like, the person that's getting that seat of honor, like, yeah, they've got the honor. But I came as one who serves. You want to be like me. If you want to be the greatest, you become like the least. And so if you want to get ahead in life, you have to kind of reverse your vision. You've got to be the one at the lowest. You've got to become like the youngest person. You've been there. You've got the most seniority at your job. You feel like it means you're entitled to something. No, act like it's your first day. Act like you're the least and serve. And there's beauty in that. But then I'm like, well, what are we doing with two stories? Jesus at the table saying, hey, if you want to be the greatest, go serve. That's how I've come. And yet he's with Mary and Martha, and she's like, hey, I need help. we got so much to do, and I need help to make this all happen. But he's like, hey, she picked the better thing. What on earth is going on in these two stories? It seems like they have kind of differing angles into this table experience. So I think it's worth looking into a little more detail of what's happening in these stories. I think in Luke 10, when you got Mary and Martha, there's some interesting dynamics at play. I think that there's some, some toxic behaviors both at Jesus' dinner table in the Last Supper and the disciples and at Mary and Martha's house. Because we don't have the story of Martha coming and telling Mary, Mary, I could use your help. Mary, would you help me do this or that? We have Martha going to Jesus saying, hey Jesus, would you tell Mary that she needs to help me? And that's also a big temptation in our lives. Like this is not just an ancient story, this is a modern one. When you have a problem with someone, how often do we not actually go to that person? We try to find somebody else. And we can like trivialize this almost, think about children and teachers or children and parents. Like how often is it tattling? Like, mom, dad, do something about this kid of yours. Yeah, they're my brother, my sister. Do something about them in the classroom. So-and-so's not behaving. They're doing what they're not supposed to do. Like we don't actually go to the person very often. We rush to whoever has authority because we want um, them to solve the problem. We want them to vindicate us, to lift us up. And so Jesus is sitting there, and Martha comes to him and says, hey, tell Mary she should be helping me. And he's like, sorry, I'm not telling Mary that. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you can do right now, and she's picked a good one. Um, but I'm not going to triangulate your fight. I'm not going to belittle her. Um, she's picked something honorable to do. And so I, I don't know how much of it is simply about whether we should serve people or sit at the table as much as what's the right way to go about uh, finding volunteers, finding people to help do jobs, finding people to help you out. That maybe shame is not the right way to build your, your team. Of like, 
hey, look how nobody's doing this job over here. Isn't that awful that no one's doing this job? Hey, someone tell this person to do their job over here. Like, that's not the best way to build people who actually want to serve, people who actually want to help out. And I think about how often we kind of guilt people into tasks. Families do it all the time. It's just because it's like, well, we've got this family thing. We've we got to handle it. You know we're missing this. You know we're missing this. You know you want to bring that, right? Like, it's just, it, there's this, this, like, you must do this thing, and I've got to bring in power dynamics into this. I uh, think about workplace environments of passive-aggressive signage or something like that. Um, you know, like, why don't you just talk to somebody? And so I, I think Jesus is dealing with the wrong kind of way of asking for help. And so when we get to Jesus and the disciples later, it's not about which task is, is Jesus calling us into, because he's going to serve people all the time. He's going to wash people's feet. So it's not like he thinks that, that Martha's work is unimportant, but that she's distracted, and that she's distracted from what has value. And so it's not that those tasks aren't, are bad, but she's doing all of the tasks in her home upset with Mary. She's doing all those tasks feeling like she's been slighted. She's, she's bitter in the midst of these tasks instead of focused on how this might help people in the home, how this might help and make a, make a meaningful opportunity for Jesus and his disciples. And so when we flash forward to Jesus in the Last Supper, the disciples, they're, they're struggling with thinking they're at the table. And you think about like Christian history of like, would you like to have been at the table with Jesus? You're like, we got to be there. Yeah, we messed it up a lot, but uh, we were there. That surely means we're the greatest, right? He picked me. Which one would he pick me the most? Though? Like, if, if he could only pick, bring one person today to the table, it would be me, right? And so Jesus then has to talk to them about they have the wrong focus. Martha had the wrong focus because she's thinking about all the ways in which she's frustrated at her sister the whole time. They're frustrated because they want to be the most important person in the room. And so Jesus has to reorient their vision. You want to serve me? Don't just serve me because you want to be the greatest. You've got to become like a lowly, become like a young person, become like a servant, uh, and not just because you want to get ahead. And so Jesus offers them the ability to serve, the ability to live in life in a different way. Because it's not the way people usually behave. All right, so we've got those two stories. I'm going to take you one more story today. Um, the disciples don't just like figure it out suddenly. Like Jesus doesn't just get crucified and raised from the dead and suddenly they've, they've mastered the spiritual life. Uh, so we get one more story around tables and service from Luke. Now, if you don't know, Luke wrote the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Uh, and so both of those stories are a continuation of one another. And in the story, the disciples are, 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 have now been named like apostles. They're, they're spreading the word about who Jesus is. Christians are growing in number in the city. And so the, now they have new problems. Because it wasn't so problematic. They could handle stuff when it was small. But as they gain more and more people, they realize, I can't handle everything anymore. And so in Acts chapter 6, we get a story about people being frustrated because there are widows, there are people who are being neglected, who need food and are, are missing out. Uh, and so I'll, I'll read here in chapter 6. 
Now, during those days when the disciples were increasing in number, the Hellenists complained against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And so the twelve called together the whole community of the disciples and said, It is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait on tables. Therefore, friends, select from among yourselves seven men of good standing, full of the spirit and of wisdom, whom we may appoint to this task. While we, for our part, will devote ourselves to prayer and to serving the word. Now, they're going to name people. The most important that gets named first is Stephen. And we're going to get a lot about Stephen. Um, Acts chapter 7 is fully dedicated to him, but it starts in chapter 6 as well. But the basic idea is the disciples realize we can't do everything. We need people to do some tasks. And they appoint some people to serve and wait tables. What's interesting in the story is that they don't just wait tables because Stephen's going to like preach the gospel. We're getting a whole chapter of Stephen basically talking. And so even though he's been appointed to serve and they feel like, I need people to wait tables so we can proclaim the word of God, they appoint people to wait tables and they proclaim the word of God. I think there's something subtle that the disciples have to learn in that story. They are right that they need help. The community knows they need help. They recognize it. They didn't need to make a comparison when they made that role opportunity. When they said, it is not right that we should neglect the word of God in order to wait tables, therefore make some people wait tables. Both tasks have importance. Both are needed. They didn't need to compare their roles with the other people. They could have just said, you're right, we need help with serving tables. Who can we get that can serve tables? They didn't have to say, we got our task. I got to preach the word. Somebody else needs this task. Uh, And so they've made this weird comparison. They've separated out the experience that serving is somehow different than proclaiming who God is, than, than being a part of this great mission. And so they quickly realize with Stephen that this isn't quite so easy. It's not just he's waiting tables. He's waiting tables and preaching the gospel. And so in this text, I I think it's a great opportunity for us to reflect on what it means to be called to serve, what it means to be called to be a part of uh, a community that, that is in action, that is doing things for God and for their neighbors and their community. And so I'm super excited Uh, that we are launching our our friends and family night this week on Wednesday night for our Cafe Connection. And our grand opening will be the following week. And so on Wednesdays, people have that opportunity to come have a meal, have that restaurant service, be treated with the most dignity, uh, and and just have a great experience. No matter what amount of money is in your pocket, you, you are invited into this great experience. Now, to do that great experience, there's a lot of tasks doesn't just poof happen. You know, there, there has to be help. But it's not that one task is more essential, more important than others. It's like, you know, and Paul used that language of the body of Christ. We all have our part. There's reasons that there's hands and feet and head and, you know, that we all serve in this capacity together. And so I think, what is it to look at that, that experience, that community that's launching from the vantage point that I think our our gospel and acts invite us into, the people who show up to the meal are important. 
they matter. That just your presence is important. Uh, you might be like, well, I wish there was more people helping. Or like, you coming and having a meal is valuable, is meaningful, because it shows that the celebration, uh, it shows that there's attendance, that there's, that there's this community happening. And so I, I've talked in the past about one of the dangers, and it's different on Friends and Family Night, but one of the challenges that we get into as we launch this opportunity is that it's not simply for those who, who might not have the funding and the resources to have this experience. It is about bringing people of all sorts together to have a community that everyone can be at tables and you can be treated with dignity and love. But like, we can easily dismiss it and say, ah, well, this is for somebody else. It's not for me. Like, what is it to show up and say, uh, I'm a part of this community. Uh, Everybody here matters. And maybe you'll you'll be here and you just want to hear somebody's story. You just be a listening presence. One of the things that I'm excited about is we've got We've got your regular dinner tables. You show up and say, hey, I've got a party of three, and you can sit at a table. We also have a community table area where, kind of like at a, at a bar at a restaurant where you can come and sit down anywhere and hang, around, hang out and talk with people around you. Like, maybe you might just be there to listen to somebody, be there to talk. And that is service. But maybe service looks like being a smiling face that hosts people welcomes people in the door, lets them know that you're a part of this, you're welcome. Maybe you're someone serving tables, like Stephen was originally called to, and, and you're, you're coming, you're taking orders, you're, you're making sure people are having a great experience, you're, you're introducing yourself, you're, you're giving people a meaningful moment. But maybe you're not front and center, maybe you're in the back and you're, you're cooking, you're, you're dishwashing, you're just as essential, you're just as vital, you're just as making this community happen together. And all of those roles, whether being present, whether being a listening presence, whether being a a welcoming presence, whether being a serving presence, whatever it is, you are actually proclaiming good news in that community. If we're not distracted by the many things, but keeping our focus on, why are we doing this? I'm showing up to serve Jesus. You know, Jesus talks in Matthew about... um, when you served, when you, when you fed the least of these who were hungry, when you, when you gave drink to those who were thirsty, when you clothed those who were naked, when you welcomed those who were strangers, it's like you did it to me. And so in the midst of all the tasks, in the midst of all the, the I, I'm hoping the fun chaos of, of opening up and learning new processes, can we keep our focus on why we serve? Why we, we hope to feed those uh, who are hungry, why we hope to welcome those who feel like they're strangers. And it's easy to become like, like Martha and maybe kind of bicker about, well, why isn't Mary over there doing her job or, or whatever it is, you know? But just what's the task God is calling you into? Can you keep your focus on that? Like I said, it, it ranges. Whatever God is inviting you into, I hope that you just have that focus and that you see and encounter Jesus, when you encounter the other person. And so, maybe we can take away from this story some some encouragement in the way that we serve, that it's not simply an invitation to, like, Christianity is a sign-up about, I have to volunteer, I've got to do tasks X, Y, and Z. But I get to be a part of a community that's reoriented, that doesn't live like the world, that has life, that has opportunity, that has hope, 
And here's my part in that. Not to look down on other people's parts or, or envy other people's parts, but to just have our focus on God. And so maybe we might be reminded uh, that we aren't going to guilt people into working. We're not going to guilt people into service. Um, one of the things that we, we, we did when we were trying to imagine this uh, Cafe Connection launching was we said, we want volunteer opportunities because it's an opportunity to serve God and do something meaningful in someone's life. And we hope we have so many volunteer opportunities that you've got to invite somebody else because we reach out beyond ourselves and give others the opportunity to have this experience, to, to be a part of what God's doing. And it's not a chore. It's not just a to-do list that needs checking. It's the opportunity to serve God. And so we don't guilt others, we don't shame them, but we invite them. We give them an opportunity. Maybe also, we might be reminded that no matter where we are as we serve, nobody's more important than each other. Everybody is of of the same value, the same dignity, all loved by God. And so sometimes we need reminding of that of like, hey, if you're volunteering, remember the people who are volunteering with you also matter. They also might be going through hard days. Think about everybody you're around. Keep your focus on how do I serve God in this place where I'm at. And lastly, let's lead like Jesus. Jesus can be there. He can just be present. And his presence changed the room. Jesus can listen. You know, he listened enough to, to Martha's request He didn't cut her off. Hey, your your request is a little off. I'm going to tell you some things. But he changed the world around him by being present, by speaking, by acting in ways that weren't expected. So how do we lead with with service as a community? Not lead with entitlement of like, here's all of the things that I want, here's the way I expect to be treated, but here's how I want to treat others. And that's what Jesus invites us into. And so, uh, it might not be dishes, but our question of who's doing the dishes is who has the opportunity to serve? And I'm so excited that we've got a lot of opportunities. And I don't want this opportunity to ever feel like you are being guilted or shamed into working. Um, Because we, we trust that the harvest is ready that there are those who feel God's call, and we're excited about whoever that might be, and I'm excited. So that's where I want to just kind of close this off today is the excitement about what might be. And so I want you to just consider for yourself of what is God calling you into? It doesn't have to be Cafe Connection. It could be other kinds of things. There's something that God's inviting you to do of talk to a neighbor, talk to a friend, talk to a family member, um, invite people to a book group, invite people uh, to dinner, invite people to worship. Like, where is God inviting you into the mission today? So would you just reflect on that as we pray together? Lord God, I ask that you would help renew all of our spirits. Lord, in in the world right now, there's so many people who feel burned out who are burnt out on their jobs, on their, their 
families, their friend groups, their, their churches, all sorts of things. Lord, we just ask that you'd give us renewed joy, renewed spirits, renewed courage to follow you into uh, the mystery that's before us, but also the blessing and the hope. Lord, we thank you that you have always provided, that you've always been there. We ask for the courage to trust that you will be there again. Lord, we, we ask that you might renew us individually and as a group and as a church and as a city. Lord, set our hearts on fire for you. In your name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen.